confused by finances, investing, estate, and retirement planning? Well, I went to school so you don't have to. Welcome to Finances And with Kathy and Jennifer. Welcome to Finances and Mental Accounting. I'm Jennifer and I'm here with Kathy. We've been getting some questions recently about what kind of strategies that people can use for saving money or investing their money. You know what? That's funny that you mentioned that because I did recently just get asked by a friend. They are saving money for a down payment on their house. They know that they want to save 20% to avoid the PMI, the mortgage insurance. And by doing that, they've actually saved a good amount, but they were talking about also the fact that they have some student loans and those student loans are also a fairly large chunk of what they still owe. Let's just say they had saved, I don't know, let's say they saved $10,000 and their student loan was $5,000 still. Saving that $10,000 and making whatever their savings rate is, let's just call it 2% versus what they owe on that student loan, which could be, I don't know the exact amount, but let's call it 7 or 8%. They are actually losing money by putting money aside into their savings to save for this big purchase and not spending it on the student loans in this case, because they're owing more money in the interest than they're actually making in interest. Even though they have this big goal, which is a wonderful goal, they're losing money to try and make that goal. If instead they would take that money and spend it on their student loans, they would have less money in savings, but now all the money that went to student loans can go as well as the money towards the house. And then they're going to be able to make more money more quickly, actually. Great. Yeah. Companies use spreadsheets to do their accounting and they're held accountable to their lenders, their stockholders, their customers. We, however, we, however, are not. We tend to place items into containers in our mind and file them there. And once we see that decision made, it's not common that we kind of move it out of that mental spot. So it's really a mental thing that we do to kind of put our money in these different buckets. By choosing to save money at a low interest rate and spend it at a higher one, you're just losing money. You can imagine saving towards a goal like that house that I was just describing, or maybe a second house or a dream vacation to Europe. And if you have that $15,000 saved away in a money market account, which is like your savings account, but it earns a little bit more because they're going to hold your money for a set period of time. Let's say you could make 4% there. But if you're choosing to purchase a new car at $11,000 and finance that loan at 9%, you're just losing money. Now, how can you make money in that scenario? If you actually took that $11,000 from yourself and paid back yourself at 9%. In other words, the, the car lender is going to tell you what the 9% is and how much you would have to make in payments for how many years. Then you would take that same amount and instead of continuing to save for this dream vacation, take the $11,000 out, pay for your new car, and then pay yourself back those same monthly payments that you would have owned a car dealer but instead you're paying yourself. And the reality is if you're doing that, you are not making 4% on your money anymore. You're making 9% on your money that you would have been giving 9% to someone else. It's your money. And instead of putting it into separate accounts of my vacation home or a big trip and car money, put them into one bucket. It's your money. What's the best way to spend and save your money? 
Yeah. So we actually found ourselves in a similar situation. So I mentioned recently that we were moving and we're going to buy a second house. We wanted to keep our house that we were in to rent. We'd been saving for a down payment and we had more of a down payment than we needed. So we finally kind of realized that we were just going to pay more than what we needed for our down payment. But we realized that our new mortgage has a lower interest rate. So it would actually make more sense to use that excess to pay off the first mortgage because... It had a higher interest rate? Yes, because it had a higher interest rate. We would pay more of that off instead of putting as much down for our down payment as we originally planned. Well, that's a good idea. And that way you really are paying yourself because that money is going towards paying down your loan more quickly. We assign money kind of labels to help us make a plan. And studies have shown proof of that is that when we get gift cards, we think of gift cards differently than we think of cash or even our credit cards, especially if the gift card is given to us by someone. If you think about your shopping at a local store, you know, Target, Walmart, and you get a gift card from there, we tend statistically to spend that money on more enjoyable items than we do on our most basic of items. And I find that interesting because it is no different. That money is is no different. It's still $20 or whatever it is. But instead of buying the basics, we think I can get a new shirt with this. I know I do that. When I get gift cards, I feel like, well, it was it was a gift. So I should spend it on something that's fun or special and not on toilet paper. But <laughs> sometimes I do, but <laughs> yeah, for sure. It makes sense. It makes sense. But it's funny how we just think of it as different money versus, hey, I could spend toilet paper money on this gift card and then I don't have to spend my money on toilet paper. One of the things, uh, studies that we found was a question that was asked. And basically what they're saying is, imagine that six months from now, you're planning to purchase a clothes washer and dryer for your new house. The two machines together are going to cost you $1,200. You have two options for financing the washer and dryer. You can have six monthly payments of $200 each during the months before you get the washer and dryer, or you could choose six monthly payments of $200 each for the six months after you get the washer and dryer. 84% of the people would choose that they want to pay after they purchase. That washer and dryer is going to last years and years, and it's most common in our credit card economy that we want to pay for something afterwards. And the reality is that it makes financial sense as well because of the time value of money, which says simply that if you save your money and spend it later, it is put to work for you over time. But now imagine a similar scenario Except for a washer and dryer, I'm going to change it to a vacation and say that you're going on vacation for that same amount, $1,200. Would you choose the six payments before your trip or the six payments after your trip? What would you do, Jen? I would pay before the trip. And in this case, there's actually, you're not alone. 60% of the people say that they would prepay for their trip. It seems that the rationale is that they would enjoy their vacation more and not have to worry about paying for this short-term purchase, your vacation, versus a long-term purchase. But the funny thing is, nothing has changed about the rules of paying for it after. It just makes more sense financially because you've been able to hold on to your $1,200 longer. And so you've been able to make that money work for you until you need to spend it. 
Similarly, when people were asked if they wanted to be paid before performing overtime work or after, 66% wanted to be paid after, even though getting paid before makes more sense to have that money and have it be working for you sooner. People don't want the long-term debt of having to work overtime later. And that's almost the same as that bucketing, right? I mean, do you want to get paid your overtime now or overtime later? And they are saying, I don't want to get paid now because then I'll have to work later. And having that work hanging over their head is not something that most people want. Mm -hmm. Similarly, there's something called sunk cost effect. And it's where you have to make an investment of time or money before you've spent it. So for example, a family has tickets to a basketball game and they're pretty excited about this basketball game. And the tickets are worth $40. On the day of the game, a big snowstorm hits in their area. Although they can still go to the game, the snowstorm will cause a hassle that will reduce the pleasure of, of watching the game. Is the family more likely to go to the game if they purchase the tickets for $40 or if the tickets were were given to them for free. Even though many think that by purchasing tickets to something, they're more likely to go, in reality, in this kind of event where they're excited about going to it, just by planning this event, it's put it into their mental accounting. In other words, we're going to this ball game. And if you don't go to the ball game, then it seems like a perceived loss as if you've now I've, I've missed out on something. And so for many, they will do anything to avoid that emotional loss. So now consider the same story, the basketball game that they've been really looking forward to. Would it make a difference if they bought the tickets a year ago or yesterday? What do you think? The pain of losing money spent yesterday is actually greater than a year ago. The negative impact of sunk costs depreciates or gets smaller over time. I could think of an example where I bought tickets to see Hamilton. <laughs> My heart is broken just saying that and got very good seats and then couldn't go because of COVID. And just the fact that I had spent this money, now the Kennedy Center was saying, hey, do you want to let us keep the money or do you want to have us refund the money? And my first reaction was, well, when Hamilton comes, am I going to be able to be one of the first people to get these same good seats again? And they said no. So to me, just the loss of money altogether was now greater than not being able to go see Hamilton because I knew that money was literally sunk if I just donated it to them. I, I really wanted that back again. So an example also that people fall into is when we overwithhold in our paychecks so that we'll receive a large tax refund. Very classic that people say, oh, I just want the money back at you know in April. That is, however, just giving your money away to the government that you could be investing and making money on, unlike that interest-free loan that you're giving Uncle Sam, which they love to hold for you, by the way, because they are investing it and they are reaping the benefits of it. But we do this because we really like the idea of getting money back. We don't like the idea of having to pay, even though it's all the same thing. If we're getting money back, that's just they're just handing us back our money that we weren't earning money on. Instead of if you pay, then you're giving them the money that you, you did owe them, but you've been making money on that. Now, in 2009, President Obama signed a Recovery Act stimulus bill, and it reduced the tax withholdings, among other things, that gave a small increase in our paychecks because the amount of taxes that they were taking out was smaller. But they didn't change the marginal tax rate, and that's how much you end up paying based on your income in April. So there was more money to spend monthly, but the return we got was smaller. And that 
made it easier on people because they kind of didn't miss that bigger return. And so it was a little easier to stomach. But again, that's your money. You should be taking it. And if you need to set it aside, knowing you're going to have to maybe pay some money in April for your taxes, then go ahead and do that. But in the meantime, you're putting it aside in an account that's earning you money. I had a similar realization many years ago in one of the old counties that I used to teach in. When I first started teaching, one of the local credit unions would give you the option to, if you banked through them, then they would space out your paycheck over 12 months instead of 10 months because otherwise everybody got paid over 10 months. I did not choose to do that. I chose to just do it myself. And so I kind of you know, took money out of my paycheck every month and put it into a separate savings account so I could use that in the summer. But a friend mentioned it at some point saying that if you allow them to do that, then they're going to be gaining interest off of your money all year long. Whereas if you did it yourself, then you could be putting that money into something that's going to be gaining you interest during that time. Yeah. And that's classic, right? Teachers, because we don't work in the summer, it's not actually vacation. It's unpaid leave time off. Come up with our own spending plan. We can then say, well, instead of being paid over 10 months, let's budget this over 12 months and put money aside. I literally call it my summer spending money so that I can live off of that. It might be 10 months. It could be 11 months. It depends on the county that you're working in, but you need to do something to plan for the months that you're not working. That plan, by the way, could be having a second job or some kind of side hustle, right? It doesn't have to be that you spread out your money over over time, but you're right. If you're giving the money to them for them to space it out, they are gladly, gleefully using your money until they give it back to you. So I wish I had realized earlier so that I had been putting that money into something that was going to be investing and making me more money at the time. But I have now learned and now I know. It's all an education, man. So Kathy and I were talking last week about this idea of whether or not money can buy you happiness. We found that there are, in fact, four ways that you can spend money that does make you happy. So one thing that you've probably heard of before is to buy experiences, not things. So instead of spending a bunch of your money on one specific new nice thing, instead you save that and you go on a trip or have some sort of experience with it. Another way is to buy many small things instead of a few big ones. And we have an example for you on that a little later. You could pay now to consume later, or you could use your money to help others. These are examples where we can mentally revisit them and relive our joy more than just buying one item and then kind of having the joy for that moment and then forgetting about it. So there's something called prospect theory. And the idea is that we receive $1,000, we're happy. But receiving $2,000 does not make us twice as happy. And I, I imagine we can think that, you know, finding $10 versus finding $20, we're not all of a sudden twice as joyful. We also love making $1,000 profit on two stocks versus making a $2,000 profit on one. Again, somehow it doesn't double our joy in that way. We can spend and be happier too. So instead of experiencing ball game, let's say again, that you go and you get really expensive seats to some kind of pro ball game. Instead, just get tickets in a less expensive section, spend money on food, maybe buy a new outfit or get team wear that you can have on for the game. That actually makes us happier. Just the being there and having those other experiences along with being there makes people more happy. You can also imagine that buying now and paying later 
in our society is one of our most favorite things to do. But in actuality, that mental bill of paying later diminishes the joy of what we experience. And so by saving for it in advance, we we actually start to anticipate that event and that becomes part of the experience, sort of like going on a big vacation. You know, I can't wait. I can't wait. Then I go and experience it that way. And it's it just makes it the whole thing a more delightful event. Mm-hmm. And spending on others really does make you happy, whether it's gifts or for a charity. It improves our pleasure. You are presenting yourself in a positive way, making it feel even better. Uh, people enjoy giving locally to charities charities like like a 5k run or something versus giving to a bigger national organization. They like to know if it's local, if it's in their community, they maybe could be even helping somebody that they know. They like to do that more. And it's even true that people get more joy donating directly versus like having something deducted from your bank account automatically and you kind of don't even see that it's happening. You can imagine. I know for myself, I used to have sort of a automatic deduction for my church so that weekly I was giving a donation. And I realized I really got a lot more pleasure putting money in the plate. <laughs> that just that action of being able to put something in there just made me feel better. Nothing changed about the amount that was being put in there. But ultimately, part of that action of, of being able to place it there versus having it just come out of my paycheck, that gave me more pleasure. So I switched away from that and just started putting my donation in the basket. Anything else on mental accounting? Just thinking about, you know, this is literally called mentally accounting because it is very much a mental thing. And it's some some of these things are maybe things that you've kind of grown accustomed to, you've gotten in the habit of doing. So that's why we're bringing up these topics so that you can think about them and maybe start to think about them in a new light so that you can use your money more effectively. I actually love that you just said that because the reality is that a lot of this we do is because it's what we've seen. Mm -hmm. It's the thing that we've seen other people do. And that's one of the big ways we learn is just experiencing what other people are doing. And the fact is they're not always the best choices and they're not making poor choices per se. They are also just doing what they've seen other people do. So having this knowledge, right? Schoolhouse rock, knowledge is power. So (laughs) hopefully it'll help you. Yes. Thanks for listening to Finances and Mental Accounting. We know you chose to listen and we're grateful. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share and consider leaving us a review because it helps bring financial education to others and it helps them find us more easily. Please let us know what questions you'd like answered at our Facebook page at Finances and or by going to our website at financesand.net. We're planning on having a listener episode soon, so we would love to make your questions part of that episode. You can now find infographics on these topics at our website and here in the show notes. Finances and does not provide tax or legal advice, and nothing in this podcast is to be construed as such. Always consult a tax, accounting, or legal professional for advice on your specific situation. Remember, I went to school, so you don't have to. 